Yeah. Hey, what a great day we're having right here. Let's give God a big hand because he is awesome. Welcome to Connect Day at Cavanaugh uh, Church. We've been looking forward to this day uh, for a long time. We had an awesome first service. Went a little bit long, but I'll tell you why. We had 29 people join the church in the first service. That's pretty awesome. And we had seven people baptized. Wow, that is great. And before the day is over with, we're going to have a total of nine baptized and 43 people join the church today. And I'm rejoicing in that. That is super fantastic. I'd like to spend just a couple of minutes sharing with you my Connect sermon about church membership. And my key verse is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, you can turn there or you can look on the screen with me because we have it up there out of the Living Bible. I've read it this week in a dozen translations, but I think I like this one the best. And here's what Ephesians 2:19 says out of the Living Bible. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family. Wow, that's great. You're a member of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household. I want you to read that last phrase with me out loud. Here it is. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. This verse teaches us two very important truths about being connected to a local church. The first thing it teaches us is this. The church is a family. Can I hear an amen for that? The church is a family. The verse explicitly says, you are members of God's very own family. Now, let me tell you what the church is not. The church is not a building. Okay? A lot of people identify our church with this building at 2825 Grinnell with the crosses out front, they say that's Kavanaugh Church. No, it's not. It's the building we worship in. You are the church, okay? So the church is not a building. The church is not, get this, it is not a club. And I'm not even going to go there. It's not an organization. It's not an institution. The church is not a religion. Let me tell you what the church is. It's a family. That's what we are. We are the family of God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He forgives you of your sins. The Holy Spirit moves in. The Bible says that God adopts us into His family. And we become a member of the family of God. And God wants us to live out our lives on planet Earth connected to His big family through a local church. So as a believer, you are to connect to and get plugged in to a local congregation. Every Christian needs a believing family to associate with. Every Christian needs a church home because the church is a family. Second thing the church is, the church is, according to this particular verse, a household that we belong to. So the second thing that, that we need to understand is a Christian isn't just a believer. A Christian is a belonger. Do you like that? A belonger. It really is a, a word. I looked it up. 
uh, but people don't use it. You're not just a believer, you are a belonger. The verse says, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So chew on this for a minute. Belonging, belonging to a local church demonstrates or shows that I am a believer. Romans chapter 12 verse 5 out of God's Word translation says, In the same way, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body. And individuals who are, get this, connected to each other. We belong to each other. We connect to each other. So, church is not an event that you attend. Church is a family that you belong to. It's a relationship that you're connected in. It is a group of people that you are a part of. And God wants us to understand the significance of being connected to other people in the family of God, so much more so that he used four different metaphors in the New Testament to describe it. He says it's like being a brick in God's temple. So when you go outside the walls of this church and you look back at our building, you'll see these brick walls. Each one of the bricks is in place to support the wall and hold the building up. And God said, you are like a brick in God's temple. That's a pretty cool analogy, isn't it? You start taking the bricks away, the whole building is going to fall down. Every brick is important. He also says, you are like a body part in a body. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Every part of our human body is important. So whether you're the eye or the ear or the hands or the toes or the heart or the gizzard, <laughs> okay, you're important. It's like, number three, being connected to a fruit tree or a vine. In fact, Jesus used that analogy of a person who gets saved. They are engrafted into the branch of God, and we are to bring forth fruit. And then the fourth analogy, he says, is it's like being a family member of a big family. That's why we call each other brothers and, yeah, you know. Maybe not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, everybody in the church was brother and sister. I, I, my, the first week I was out of my mama's womb, I was at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas. I grew up in church. Okay? From a little bitty kid, I grew up hearing my dad identify and call other people in that church brother so-and-so, brother Bill or brother Roy or, or brother Zellers. I, I heard my mom talking to sisters on the phone and call them sister this and sister that. And I grew up thinking this whole church is related to me. Okay? That I do have this one big, huge family. I was really disappointed when I found out they weren't, you know? Because I thought I had something cool going on there. But we're all brothers and sisters. It's like being a family member of a big family. Now understand this. In the New Testament, there was no such thing as a Christian who did not have a church home. Okay? Back in the Bible, everybody had a church home. There was no floating Christians out there. People didn't go around saying, okay, we'll go to the church at Philippi today, and if we don't like the music, next week we'll go to the church at Corinth. And if the preaching is bad at Corinth, then we'll take a boat and go to the church at Rome. <laughs> no, I mean, they didn't do that. They, they had a church, and they were plugged into their church 
Neither was there the concept of the Lone Ranger Christian in the New Testament times. For someone who says, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I don't need a church family. If you've ever thought that, let me tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. You do need a church family. The Bible teaches that we are members and we belong to the body of Jesus Christ. Studies have shown that we have a deep sense of belonging, and we do. God made us that way. And as our society fragments and breaks up and falls apart, we need to have a place that we look at and say, you know what, this is my church. This is my church for life. This is the place I'm plugged into and I'm growing in. It's interesting uh, seeing people out in public who have attended our church, and when they talk to me, they'll talk about, Preacher, your church. Your church is a pretty cool church. I like going to your church. Well, when they say that, I know that it's not their church. They had not got plugged in yet. But when they turn it around and start talking about my church, man, my church is a cool church. I like going to Kavanaugh Church. It's my church. I know then they got it. Okay? They got it. They're not just a believer floating out there. They are now a belonger, and they are a part of the family of God. So you got that? We good? Are you with me? Because I'm almost finished, but not quite. All right? I want to share with you on Connect Day four things, four benefits, four privileges that come along with being a part of a good church. Here's what a good church will do for you. Number one, a good church will help me stay spiritually motivated. Hebrews 10.25 Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. And so much more as we see that day approaching. Church is a place of motivation and it is a place of encouragement. And you know what? You do need to be motivated from time to time. Sometimes you come in here, and because you haven't been living for Jesus, I need to help motivate you to live for the Lord and to commit to Him and do good for Him. Other times you come in here and you're beaten up, and you need encouragement. That's what a good church will do for you, motivate you and encourage you. It, it kind of reminds me of the old illustration of the campfire. Don't you love a good campfire? Isn't everything better at a campfire? Hot dogs taste better at a campfire. Those s'mores, they just don't do it when you're in your house. you got to be at a campfire. It's good at a campfire. You can sing songs and tell stories. It's just awesome. And if you're sitting around the fire, you can take your poker, whatever the poker is, another stick, and you can kind of flick a little coal or a log away from the flame and set it off by itself. If you do that, tell me what's going to happen to that coal over here away from the rest of the fire. It goes out, it gets cold, it loses its, its warmth and its flame. But if you take your poker and you move it back into the middle of the fire, what's it going to do? It's going to light back up again, isn't it? It's going to heat up again. Well, the church is a place that you come to get warmed up. To get your fire lit. To get motivated and encouraged. And bless God, some of you need that today. God, think about it. You're out in the world all week long. 
and the world is beating you up and blasting you and nailing you against the wall. I see you when you come in here on Sundays, and even more so if you come back on Wednesday nights. You just, you're beat up, man. I mean, the world has had its, its way with you, and here you are. You're just kind of dragging in, and man, you're looking, oh, oh, woe is me, oh. I don't think I can make, uh, and then you get around gospel singing and praising like we had this morning with our band, and man, it's awesome. You hear a great testimony like Holly, you know, she's had it bad, but people have had it worse, and she's trusting God, and man, that does something to you, and then you get a crazy guy like me up here shouting to you and giving you the word of God, and you can't help but be motivated and encouraged. Woo! And so you leave this place better than when you came because you got a little bit of God and the Holy Spirit has motivated you to go out and live as a light in the world. Isn't it good to have one another? Isn't it good to have one another? The, the Bible talks about that. It tells us to have fellowship one with another, to greet one another. The rest of that verse says with a holy kiss, but let's leave that part off, all right? To love one another, to accept one another, to be devoted to one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's troubles and problems and so obey our Lord's command. And that's what we do in the family. We share our burdens and our hurts. That's why you need to be plugged into a small group. Okay, So people can love on you and help you and support you. And when bad times come, they can be there for you. Church membership spiritually motivates us and encourages us. And I'm glad for that. Number two, being part of a good church helps me develop spiritual maturity. And guys, let me tell you, God wants you to grow up. He really does. God's plan for your life is for you to grow spiritually to get off the milk of the word and into the meat of the word. Hebrews 6.1, let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. So how do we do that? Well, Acts chapter 2 tells us how they did it in the new church. They were baptized. They joined other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions. They worshiped together regularly at the temple, and they met in small groups in their homes for communion. In those verses, it tells us they did four really important things. They were baptized, they joined, they worshiped, and then they met together in small groups to grow spiritually. That's what the church is supposed to do. These things are true evidence that the church is doing what it's called to do. When people are being baptized, they join, they worship, and they get together in small groups. The purpose of a church is to help you do that. And that's what we're about at Kavanaugh Church, to help you develop spiritual maturity. Number three, being a part of a good church helps me to discover my ministry. You know, all of us have this deep feeling, this, this deep need in our life to know that our lives are counting for something, that your life is worthwhile, that you're not just on planet earth breathing air and taking up space. So we always ask ourselves the questions, am I making a contribution? Is there some way in which I am giving back? And if you haven't found that way, your life is unfulfilled. 
I'm telling you, you're not going to be happy and have joy because God made us to do that. We're not made just to consume. God made us to contribute and to give back. The Bible says that the way you find that fulfillment is by doing two things. Number one, that you be the person God made you to be. And number two, you do what God made you to do. It's pretty simple, isn't it? I be the person God made me to be, and I do what God has made me to do. And when we do that, we call it ministry. You're doing your ministry. You're doing what God's made you to do. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And we, we usually just focus on that part of the verse because it's a great verse. Okay, It really is a great verse. But then it goes on to say, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're God's workmanship. He created us to do something good in His kingdom, a work that He's... But He's also prepared us in advance to do what He's called us to do. So that tells me this. Before you were born, God decided and predetermined what spiritual gifts you would have. Callie's at Baylor. She brought Jenny home with her. Hey, Jenny. You know how I remember your name? Jenny, Jenny, Bobini, Banana Fana, Fofini, Fee, Five, Fo, Finny, Jenny. Y'all welcome, Jenny. She's a student at Baylor. But she's from Oregon. Wow. So good to have you today, Jenny. Uh, Callie's uh, doing theology at, at Baylor. She's a Hebrew scholar now. Did y'all know that? She has the highest grade in her Hebrew class. That's, that's pretty cool. That, let me tell you, that blows her daddy out of the water. I, I barely made it through Hebrew, man, by the skin of my teeth, you know. Callie has been calling me lately and wanting to talk to me about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. How does that play out in our lives? I, Callie, I don't know the answer to all that, but I do know this. Before you were made, before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you. And God decided even before you were born, before you were you, what spiritual gifts you would receive if you asked Jesus into your life. He also knew your abilities, your talents. God knew before you were born the skills that he would give you that you would be able to develop. He decided all of that about you in advance, and he gave all of that stuff to you for a purpose. And the reason God gave you all that stuff is not for you just to consume it upon yourself and self-indulge and do for you. God gave you all of that so that you could help other people. I mean, the Bible is so clear about this. The reason you have been gifted is for the edification of the church so that you can help other people out. Two weeks ago, we had Roundup Day. Anybody remember Roundup Day? Say yeehaw if you remember Roundup Day. Yeehaw. I just barely remember it because I'm now 56. And I can hardly remember yesterday, all right? But I do remember what I preached. Every member matters is what I preached two weeks ago. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Paul said, For the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Remember, we talked about this. We are the body of Christ, okay? We are the body of Christ. We are the body parts in the body of Christ. 
and every part is important. It, I mean, let me use this illustration. Have you ever put together a jigsaw puzzle? Do you love jigsaw puzzles? I hated them. I was never good at them. But you know, you got this, this 2,049 piece set jigsaw puzzle you just put together. It's really 2,050, but there's a piece missing. So you got the whole thing put together. It's a beautiful scene of Oregon. And it's lovely. It's just beautiful, and it's all done. But right smack dab in the middle is a missing piece. What do you notice when you look at that beautiful jigsaw puzzle? You just notice the missing piece because something is missing out of it. And here's what I hope that you see, dear Christian friend. If you are not here in church where you belong, doing what God has gifted you and called you to do, you are a missing piece of the picture. And the rest of us suffer because you're not doing what God has called you to do. The Bible says we're all a part of the body of Christ and every member is important. Think about your physical body for a moment because that's the illustration Paul used in 1 Corinthians 12. So what if one day your liver decides to go on strike? Think about how disastrous that would be. What if your liver said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this body. I don't like this body anymore, so I'm just going to jump around from one body to another body. I'll go on that body next week, that body the following week. I'm, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a free-floating liver. I'm going to go body shopping. Or how about this? What if your liver said, oh, okay, I, I'll stay in this body, but you know what? I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not going to participate. I am just going to sit here and watch all these other parts work overtime because I'm sick of it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. Now, how ridiculous is that? It's not the way it works. For the body to function, every part has to do its thing, man. And that's what you've been called to do. If you're not using your ministry, let me tell you what, you're robbing yourself of a great blessing and you're cheating the rest of us. Woo! The Bible says every part is important. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction. There is no basis in the Bible for spectatorship. You can't just sit in the stands and watch. You need to be actively involved. That's the difference between a member and an attender. A member is a participator. An attender is a spectator. A member is a contributor. An attender is simply a consumer. An attender says, I'm along for the ride. But a member says, I'm part of the crew. And let me tell you, a good church is going to help you discover your ministry and do your part. And then finally, number four, and I'm done. A good church is going to help me fulfill my mission in life. What is your mission? Well, I, I could spend the rest of the day talking to you specifically about what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will is for your life. But for all of us, our mission is the Great Commission. I mean, that's it. Our mission is the Great Commission. To go into all the world and spread the good news of the gospel. 
to make disciples, to tell other people about Jesus so that they can believe and repent of their sins and go to heaven. Have you ever figured out why God leaves us on planet earth after we become a Christian? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, raise your hand if you've thought that thought, because I've thought that thought a whole lot of times. Why doesn't God just zap us immediately and transport us to heaven? Wouldn't that be better? I mean, we get saved and zap, we're gone, we're out of here, man. Why does he leave us around here where there's problems and frustrations and broken hearts and disappointments and sickness and cancer and heart disease and all kinds of evil? Why doesn't he just take us to heaven where it's perfect? Well, the logical answer is he's still got something for us to do. Okay? And I'm about to shut up, but just think about this for a second. What is it that he wants us to do? Well, let's think about the things we do here and the things we can't do in heaven. There are a couple of things that I know you can't do in heaven. Okay? Now, you can sing in heaven. Okay? You can read the Bible in heaven. You can fellowship in heaven. You can praise the Lord in heaven. But what you can't do is this. You can't sin in heaven because there is no sin in heaven. Another thing you can't do in heaven is tell non-believers about Jesus. Because there are no non-believers in heaven. So you just tell me, those are the only two things you can't do in heaven. Which of those two things do you think God wants us to do on earth? Why has he left us here? Okay, some of you are from Oklahoma, so let me spell it out. Oh, that hurt. Oh, my. Oh, pull the deck. Uh, Steve, turn my mic off. I'm sorry, Steve. OU has a great team this year. I will say that, all right? That's about all. Okay, go ahead and indulge you OU Sooner fans. Go ahead. Let me spell it out for you Arkansans, all right? He doesn't want us to stay here in sin. The reason he has left us here is to fulfill the Great Commission, and that is to tell other people about Jesus so that they can go to heaven as well. What is a great church all about? Well, a really good church is here to help you stay spiritually motivated. A good church is going to help you develop spiritual maturity. A good church is going to help you discover your own ministry. And a good church is going to help you fulfill your mission. That's what Kavanaugh's about. That's why we are called your church for life. Because from the cradle to the grave, we're going to come alongside of you. And help you be the person God has called you to be. You know what? I love this place. Sign me up, coach. I want to be a part of this. How about you? Okay? Kavanaugh's a great church. It's not the only church. There's a lot of good churches out here. And if you don't think you fit at Kavanaugh, you can't get plugged in at Kavanaugh, you need to go find a place you can fit and you can get plugged into. Okay? I'm negotiating with Marty Sloan, pastor at Harvest Time, just about every other week about member switches we could do. You know? <laughs> That's a joke, all right? I'm just, I'm just joking about that. There are a lot of great churches out there. This happens to be one of them. But whether you choose Kavanaugh or some other place, you've got to get plugged in. 
you've got to be connected. You've got to stake your roots down deep. And whether good times or bad times come, this is your place. Now, here's what we're going to do for our invitation. Hopefully, you received one of these uh, covenants, membership covenant. For our new members who are about to join the church, we're going to require from this point on that all new members go through Connect class and they sign one of these membership covenants. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Somebody's going to give you one. I want to go through it really quick. I can't make all the old members sign this, but I'm going to ask you to, all right? Uh, we're not going to revoke your membership if you don't sign one, but I'm going to sign one, and I ask you to sign one as well. Raise your hand if you don't have one. You'll be given one. Here's what the membership covenant says. I am going to safeguard the unity of my church by doing the following things. By acting in love toward other members. By refusing to gossip. By refusing to gossip. By refusing to gossip. By refusing to gossip. <laughs> Slap me out of this. By following the church leadership. Number two, I will share the responsibility of my church by praying for its growth. By inviting the unchurched to attend. By warmly welcoming visitors. Number three, I will serve the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and talents, by being equipped to serve by my pastors, and by developing and exercising a heart of service. And finally, I will support the testimony of my church by attending faithfully, by living a godly life, and by giving regularly. Okay? And the people who are about to join, and there are many of them, they've, they've already been given one of these. They've signed it, and they've dated it, and uh, because of that, they can join the church. For the rest of you who already are a member, why don't you sign one? Uh, here, here's what we did this in first service. It looks like there were 257 people here first service. I think they all signed one. Okay? We have theirs right here. What I'm going to ask you to do is sign it. There should be a pencil in front of you in the pew back. If you don't have one or that pencil's broken, borrow a pen from somebody near you. Sign your name underneath mine. I wrote it because you can't read my writing. And then I dated it, 10-117. Do that right now. And then here in a second, I'm going to ask that you stand up and you bring them and you lay them out across the stage.